So welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast. This is where I talk about the reality of entrepreneurship, the good, the bad and ugly. I don't put any gloss on any of it. And it's a really interesting time for entrepreneurs to go through the process of taking an idea to revenue. And we're in the middle of COVID-19 pandemic. I don't know if we're in the middle of it, but we certainly feel like we're in the thick of it. UK is in full lockdown. Europe was in lockdown two weeks ago. And America, well, they're doing their own thing. And let's see what happens with that. So today, I've got a really interesting conversation. The reason I wanted this conversation is because corporates are making themselves, they're putting themselves in a position better for tomorrow. They've got big, clunky machines, and they have professionals that can take care of the challenges they're going through. And they're able to lobby government. But as small innovators, startups and scale-ups, we don't have that professional capability. So I'm privileged to have with me, Gossia, who is actually a professional change manager. She is one of those people that would have dealt with these kind of quandaries for corporates and bureaucracies. So Gossia is somebody who's been in the change industry for about 10 years plus. She's got qualifications in it. She is a certified change manager and is the lead for the London chapter of the Change Management Institute. And when we met, it was clear that change management is not just about process, it's about psychology. And I found that really fascinating. So I'm going to leave you full details of Gossia and how to get in touch with her at the end of this. But what I want to do is actually have Garcia introduce herself because she does a better job than I ever would. So Garcia, welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I, I've never been introduced so well, so it's very difficult to follow those steps, Asim. Um, yeah, but uh, so my name is Gosha. Uh, actually, full name is Gosha Valendzik. Um, in a gist, I am a behavioral change specialist, uh, but I also like tangible change. So the duality of change uh, is something that I'm really fascinated by. Um, I'm really fascinated by uh, and the way or understanding the way our brains work and um, how can we use that knowledge in order to progress with any change in life and that also means how can we use that knowledge and progress with any change that uh, a potentially corporate uh, environment brings upon us so tell me why did you get into this this area of change management and and you're talking to a failed change manager i was rejected (laughs) i was rejected by many people (laughs) in my desire to become a change manager so I'm sitting slightly enviously looking at you and, and thinking, you know, so why did you want to do it? Why did you want to get into the sector? Oh, dear God, that's a long story. But uh, to keep it short and sweet, I think um, it was back, uh, I think, to 2008, 2007, um, where um, I, I was a bit bored and trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And um, I came across uh, project management at that time. Um, and I was actually quite good at it. Um, people pay me money to, to do this for them. But what I realized quite soon is that none of the project's success exists without people. Okay, And people are such a wild card. They're such a wild card that you really need to know how to manage people in order to uh, actually make them 
do things that um, that uh, you want them to do. So can I um, stop you there? Are you, are you telling me you're a professional uh, manipulator? No, <laughs> not. I'm really not. It's it's more about there is a bit of psychology behind everything, right? But uh, it's more about um, having this this uh, this approach or uh, to leading the change, to helping the people to transition from one. Uh, status quo to another status quo. I think that's what it is. So it's knowing how are they going to react, um, in which circumstances, what ticks them, what what triggers which reaction, how to manage these reactions accordingly. That's what it is. Yeah, but you know, just going back to what you were asking me. So um, I've um, I've learned that I think after doing the change management piece for a few years, I've learned. That change management is actually a separate, uh, a separate part of uh, dis- separate discipline whatsoever. So I was doing it without knowing that there's a discipline like that. Mm-hmm. And then for a period of time, I felt like a total fool. But then when I managed to re-establish my knowledge on that uh, and uh, managed to find myself, I kind of regret it. So that's yeah. So that's that's how my history mm-hmm. and the whole story with the change management started. So you've worked for some interesting companies. I mean, SEGSK. That's quite a big organization. So, yeah. what? So, just to bring us up to the current day, what would larger companies be going through? What would be going on in their heads? What would be going on in their their corporate C suites? Yeah. What would they be thinking about how they deal with this pandemic? So, same as everybody else, a bit of chaos. People and especially our brains are designed that um, we want to live in certainty. We don't want to operate in circumstances where we don't know what something, how is something, how is something going to happen, or how is it going to unravel, how is it, how is it going to affect us. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to um, react. We actually react very um, uh, in certain way to situation where a change is imposed on us, like this one, for mm-hmm. example, right? Yeah. I think the bigger um, organizations are going to be in this perhaps a little bit privileged uh, situation because maybe in some ways they have this plan B and they know how would they operate if something like that had happened. So they will have people uh, able to set up working from home um, and uh, there will be clear leadership on how to move things forward. It's supposedly, I suspect it's a it should be similar across the board because uh, I don't think that you know having an access to internet is a privilege. I think that having yeah. access to internet is a, a, a utility, basically, mm-hmm. it's one of the utilities. Um, so, um, so I suspect you know changing that the way I work differently is going to be on their on their agenda now, but still um, trying to retain control mm-hmm. over over what's happening. So it's about retaining control and having some certainty mm. in this ever-changing time and we've, we've gone from having a little bit of lock some closures and having a little bit mm. of distance to going all the way to full lockdown asked to stay at home not not go out at all i mean we are recording this remotely we are we're zoomers because that we're the zoomers, we're the zoomers. <laughs> yeah we're the zoomers and it seems to be our new way of life. And, and we're no longer busy on the roads, we're busy on the, the internet highway. And there's, there's traffic jams on the internet superhighway. So they're looking for certainty. So what is it that the professionals that look after them bring 
in giving them that certainty. I mean, there, there is no certainty, firstly. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. But what is it that somebody like you gives them that a small company with three to 50 people, you know, all busy doing their jobs, keeping the business moving, what is it that you give them that we other we companies with smaller organizations don't have? I think I think it's a very good question because uh, you know what do you do in a situation like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, who it's 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 basically going back to um, to the leader, right? If you have a leader in the organization, what can they do um, um, in order to pull through this, basically? And I think a person like myself would help them to realize what it is that they are in. Um, and how to communicate this to others. And um, most importantly, uh, I think in a situation like that, the transparency, the ability to step in, the ability to say, guys, these are the things that I know. These are the things I don't know. So I can only work with what I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being transparent like that really helps. Um, so I don't want to get too political here, but um, so well, no, my, go my on. Please do. Oh, dear God, no. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so so I think um, so you know like small observations about um, uh, Boris Johnson and the way he uh, he he talks in those um, um, uh, I think daily. Although I haven't seen him talking yesterday, was he talking yesterday? Wasn't you know what? I try only listen to the news once a day. Right. So uh, I may have missed it, but I saw it. I definitely saw the big announcement a couple of the days. The big announcement. Yeah, I saw yeah. that, and you know, I think that was the most watched TV program. For a long time, by all of us. For a long time, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, so I think, for example, for example, for me, what is that missing is that um, he says what not to do or what to do and what we must obey. Mm-hmm. But there is this; um, it's missing this context in a way that okay, fair enough. We all know that it's what's happening, right? We're not uh, totally, completely blind to what's happening uh, all over, but, but putting it into perspective of how does it actually impact the uh, the UK and the life in the UK and the people would really help to bring it up a little bit mm-hmm. rather than just saying to people, guys, you mustn't go out, period. It's not good enough. Right. You need that... Um, you need that context and and you need to say why uh, you need to say what's going to happen if you don't do what are the risks mm-hmm. so just so people can have this broader view uh, and then can potentially make um, uh, make decisions for themselves uh, and I think that's how people like myself would advise uh, the leaders in, in the bigger companies mm-hmm. well there's certainly some news today in that Gossier is now becoming a political pundit as well <laughs> But, but but it's actually a really good analysis. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, he's telling us stuff that we know we need to do, but he's not telling us from his perspective why we need to do it in the in yeah. a way that we can relate to. I mean, he's got the benefit of all that that science behind him, and I think the average person, you know, whilst in our gut we know we need to survive and we want to survive, it's really useful. Now, in terms of the the lessons that we can learn from you as a as, as a reputable corporate professional how did how did these things adapt to the smaller companies and the startups and the entrepreneurs what are the key lessons that you think that you could share 
with a smaller organization? I think, uh, first of all, I wanted to say that I don't really think that I'm that uh, corporate, but um, it is it is what it is. I must admit, I've never ever worked with a small company, like a sweet, small startup organization. Yeah. But um, I suspect um, the lessons are, you know, the, the lessons that there are, they're, they're the same across the board and they apply to every single one okay, of us. Great. Yeah. So, so personally, I've always been an advocate of knowing yourself very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Because if you know yourself very, very, very well, you know how potentially are you going to react in a certain situation. Yeah. You know how something is going to impact you. You know which things that you know. What are the things that you're really good at? You know the things that you're not very good at, etc. And that helps you to build this this amazing person that you are. Okay. Yeah. So you always have to. So I suppose that the lesson that I think um, everybody could uh, kind of apply to in their life mm-hmm. is that they always need to start from from themselves. Just just look look at yourself um, realize how are you reacting to change and and um, realize how other people are reacting to change and maybe try to put us all together so there is a lot of online um, there is a lot of really a lot of good free material mm-hmm. that uh, that people can uh, look into. Um, in particular, I'm referring to the Kubler-Ross uh, change curve, mm-hmm. which is the, I think the most well yeah that's the one um, which is I think the most well known. Could you um, ju- could you just talk about the Kubler-Ross change curve? Because when I first heard somebody mention that, I didn't quite get it. But I mean, it's not come out of change management. It's come out of some some other environment, hasn't it? So. You can just introduce the curve to us. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, uh, yeah, so it basically came out in the 60s. Uh, there was a, I think she was Swiss-American uh, professor or doctor um, of psychiatry, the lady, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And um, she was, interestingly to me, she was really fascinated about um, death, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, particularly at that time, uh, what happened was is that uh, she was working with uh, terminally ill patients and um, she was really appalled by the way that um, you know the, the way that people treat those patients in in the in the hospital wards and um, she um, she really was quite concerned for their well-being um, at the you know probably the, the final uh, stage stage of their life. Uh, but also what she wanted to understand was, um, and she was fascinated by that, was that she's realized that there is a certain pattern of behavior that all of these people show uh, when they're told that, uh, you know, they are actually going to die. They, mm. they, they have cancer, for example, right? And she started mapping that. So she figured there's um, there is five different stages that every single one uh, one of those people were going through. That's why that's why the the change uh, the change curve, the one that we just introduced, um, it's also sometimes called the five stages of grief. Okay. okay? Um, so so the first stage would be the denial. Oh, it's definitely not happening to me. Yeah. There's something wrong with it. Um, sure, I'm sure you're wrong. Um, uh, you know, I am in shock, which is a physical, physical reaction of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, um, then the second stage is anger. Uh, when when you are in that anger stage, you are quite often uh, trying to um, blame the whole situation on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we can see this, um, and we can see it in 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 many circumstances. Uh, you know, if you're trying to introduce, for example, uh, new ways of working in an organization, and um, and some of the, let's say, management, just using an example or whatever, 
um, you know, they will blame it on you. Mm -hmm. You came here, uh, you are an outsider, um, you are a consultant, you know nothing about how do we operate. It's your fault. We are not going to be doing it. So, you know, like, so kind of bringing it up to, it, it is basically kind of a bringing it up to life um, uh, like that. Mm -hmm. So this, this, the third stage, you've got denial, anger, depression, bargaining and acceptance. Um, so depression, obviously, it's a bit too much. Um, you, you feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, you feel that, um, you know, maybe physically your body is reacting. Maybe you, you want to sleep more. Uh, maybe it affects really all other aspects of your life. Um, then the, the next stage is bargaining, um, which is, um, you know, struggling to find your way through this, struggling to find the meaning of it, um, uh, struggling to find a, uh, you know, kind of a light in the tunnel, if you wish, proverbially, and, and the final is acceptance. So. So it is what it is. Um, these are, um, you know, these are the things that are within my control. These are the things which are outside of my control. Uh, uh, what are my options? Can I move on? Can I not move on? Can I put a new plan in place? And I think those five are really crucial. But there's also one um, which um, is, um, I think, it, it's it's important to notice. So it's not in the model itself, um, but the one that's important to notice is that from depression there might be a crisis yeah. right so so if you cannot move if you if you're not um maybe not strong enough enough is about uh but 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 this description but but if you cannot find yourself a way out of depression to move to acceptance mm -hmm. There is this gray area where you can go into the crisis mode, and and um, and you know, and, and that just makes things a little bit more um, a little bit more difficult. So, how did how did a model that's used for managing the stages of grief go into the change management and then the corporate world? What's the what was the jump? Uh, well, I physically don't know what was the jump, okay. but. <laughs> But it's really, it's, it's, it's great. The model itself is great and it's really applicable because this model really applies to an individual. Mm -hmm. So remember when I said to you, um, I feel that um, knowing yourself is the most important thing that you can do for, for yourself, yeah. but also for the others, right? So if you know this model and if you know that these stages are probably not linear, right? It's not going to be that... Mm -hmm after denial there's always anger or after anger there's always depression it can be that you're feeling all those feelings at the same time or maybe you've jumped from one another maybe you're angry at the very beginning and then you and you just just go to acceptance but that's really important because for us for people who are interested in behavioral science in in uh, in, um, in in science of the of the brain and um, and, uh, and and human um, human reactions is that this gives us a certainty that at some point when the change is introduced, mm -hmm. a person who's, who's that change introduced to is going to be on one of those stages, right? In, in, on the Cobberos. And what it means is that we can preempt that reaction by doing a certain, um, a certain activity in order for that person to move through that transition a little bit smoother. Okay. So in order for a person to go from, oh, I didn't know anything about that. Oh, oh my God, it's actually going to impact me directly. Oh, I really don't like it. To a stage where we say, or that person says, do you know what? I didn't know anything about that, but now I do. 
and I know what is my part to play. I know how is this is going to impact me. It's actually not that bad. Maybe it's even better. Mm -hmm. uh, let's do it together. Let's do it faster. Let's do it quicker. I'm going to be on board with that. So, so, so that's why we, we are using it in the, uh, in the, like you said, corporate world or yeah. um, at any basic stage when you're trying to um, um, introduce the... So uh, I see the relevance here and, and I think mm. the UK business world society has moved from, from denial because I think two weeks ago we were just mm. still, you know, UK is fine, we're okay, we're just being a bit careful. Yeah, yeah. We are an island, we're fine. We're fine, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and whereas friends in Europe were like, we're in, we're in full lockdown. We, we're not going yeah. anywhere. No. Yeah. And it's like, we don't understand why the UK is doing what they're doing. Whereas we're like, no, it's fine. The scientists have said, you know, we're, we're a few weeks behind. Um, and I think it was really interesting the way that the government said, yeah, we're, we're a few weeks behind. But they didn't say in three weeks time, we're going to lock you down. In two weeks time, we're going to say social distancing is going to happen. They didn't really prepare us for that. Mm -hmm. But now that we're in it, I think everybody's really accepted it. You know, so we're in the acceptance phase. I think there's some anger coming through. As you said, it's non-linear and it's mm. not necessarily in order because mm. the business effects, you know, we're not, we're no longer in work. And some of us are probably like finding it difficult not to be out and talking to people and visiting mm. and making connections and, and doing work. Um, some of us are really fine with it all. And some people are really angry because their whole business has changed. Their whole business mm. has to close down and they are going to lose. Whatever the government do, they're going to lose. They're not gonna, they're not gonna make up what they've lost. Mm. Yeah, do I agree or do I not agree actually with this? It's, it, it's actually, it's very interesting point of view, but at the same time, so let me look at it from a different perspective, okay? So I live in a small community, okay? There is this uh, lovely little coffee shop that I go to every single day and get myself a cup of coffee and they bake the best bread I've had in the whole of the UK, okay? Yeah. And I'm a bread person, okay. <laughs> so it's important to me. Um, the guys had to, so it's a small coffee shop. There's, a, I think there's three people working there, uh, maybe four people, two bakers and 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 two um, two people serving uh, coffee and a little bit of nibbles. Okay. So um, I was talking to them every single day, and every single day they were giving me updates. So this is happening. Mm -hmm. Or we struggling with, with get, to get flour. There is no flour. Mm -hmm. We cannot bake bread. If you want us to bake bread for you, you have to put your name on. The list we're gonna bake it just because we, we're struggling um, at the same time um, uh, because why not I also follow them on social media mm -hmm. on a certain channel um, and I can see uh, the owner uh, you know talking to people and telling them talking to us talking to anybody who's listening or, or following them saying to, to these guys we're struggling we don't have flour if you can if you know anybody who sells flour let us know um, Tomorrow we will have this and that for you. Yeah. Uh, we are closing the store only for, you can only come over and order the takeaway. Uh, you can only come over if it's two of you at the same time, etc., etc. So, so that's kind of keeping people in the, in the know, sharing the situation that they're in, mm -hmm. just to make sure everybody's on the same page, mm -hmm. okay? But what I'm trying to say is that, in a simple thing, terms, what he had brilliantly done and he is going to save his business. Trust me, he's going to save his business. 
because what he had brilliantly done, according to me, is that he was not and he is not scared to make decisions, okay? He's not scared to make decisions and decisions fast. He doesn't care if he makes a decision and that's not the best decision for himself or for the business because the next day he can correct that. Yesterday, uh, he um, posted that he is going to redistribute to anybody who wants for, I can't remember, let's say, 25 pounds uh, a box of vegetables, okay? So if you want a box of vegetables, email me directly or text me directly, I'm going to deliver a box of vegetables to you if you, if you live in the area. Brilliant. Today, he said, you know what? I have delivered all those boxes of vegetables, but actually I have forgotten to put my markup on that. <laughs> so they're not going to be 20. Like, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, a, he's a socialist, right? Yeah. <laughs> he wants stuff for the people. So he says, I have forgotten. So uh, today, if you want a box of vegetables, it's going to cost you 35 pounds. Okay in or out so but this is the thing he's doing something he's out there he's adapting adapting yeah. and one more time adapting and also he's not scared to make decisions even if these decisions are not the best okay so, so that seems to be a key part of what somebody like you would do as, as a professional you help take the decisions and, and i do see that we are struggling to take decisions you know some of the shops the retailers have have kept it open as long as they can. There is a pub company, uh, Weatherspoons, mm. and he's mm. got his turnovers <laughs> are 1.8 billion. And he's put on social media that he's happy for his staff to go and work for Tesco. And it's come out really badly for him in the media because it looks like, looks like he doesn't care. I mean, he's trying to say, hey, you know, you can sit at home or, you know, and I'll give you 80% of your salary because the government's covering it. But instead he said, you know, you guys can go work at Tesco. But he's made a decision. Has he made a good decision? I don't know, but he's made a decision. It seems like he's very much looking after himself as a as a billionaire. Whereas the baker, the example you gave, is a really nice example because he has a community, they trust him, mm. and he's kept them informed of the journey. So he's having to ration his products, but he's very clear on why he's rationing it. And then when it comes to the the, the case of, vegetables he's already got that trust so he can say i've made a mistake but he's made it he's made a mistake and i think sometimes entrepreneurs struggle with the decision making process so what is it about making a fast decision that we really need to be thinking a bit more carefully about or you know what what would advice would you give to an, a small company and let's say it's the baker again you know let's use that as mm. the example yeah, so actually, you know what? My baker, I've, I've just been thinking about it because... Um, and name them. I think it's, name the baker. Tell us what they Shall I name them? Name, name the baker. Okay, they, they're called Cut the Mustard. Cut the Mustard, um, cut the mustard. wow. Cut the Mustard, yes. They're called Cut the Mustard. They're on Moiser Road uh, in Fursdown. Um They're really, really, really good. Um, I will have any, but I will honestly recommend them whatever for the most longest period until I'm, I'm, I'm you know, not here anymore. So they're really good, uh, amazing bread. Uh, anyhow, so um, I was actually thinking about it when you were saying it and um, um, kind of, you know, the way, the way you perceive my story, because I think the baker is an amazing parable for the leadership, mm -hmm. if you think about it. So imagine the ba baker is the leader of a company, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yes, they, they, he has his own stuff, yeah. although I have no idea how, how has he reacted to this. Is the stuff still with him or whatever? I have no idea. But he also has this broader community, which are somewhat reliant on him, right? I, I love my bread. I want my bread. Yeah. Um, can, I just, can I just say for the record, Gossia, carb lover she is, she's not a big blimp. She's very svelte. <laughs> she's very slim. So she talks about loving her bread. But you clearly have smaller portions of bread than I do. That, that's good genes. That's just okay. good genes. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah. No, so going back to what I was going to say is that um, you know he he's actually doing everything that you would expect a person to do. You would expect a leader to do. You would expect a, a young or older entrepreneur to do. Sorry, I didn't want to be ages. I just said it the way I said it. But what I meant is that any person who's entrepreneurial, I think I would expect them to have those traits. And I'm not saying that you cannot learn them, but I'm just saying that uh, if you have them ingrained in you, that's even better. What are the okay? traits? Well, you are not scared. You're not scared. You're not scared to um, step forward. You don't. You're not scared to uh, make a decision. Um, you're not scared to fail. You're not scared to apologize mm -hmm. if you've done something wrong, and you're not scared to admit that, isn't it? So um, you know. Just, just for, for the listeners' uh, sake, I'm just going to say that I actually can see uh, Asim's face currently and <laughs> he, is, he is laughing. Um, it's probably because I'm, I'm just making my face look funny or something, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, but I think those traits are, are, are here. And if you are, um, if you had the small business, you are in a very privileged position. Because if you had the small business, I think you are able to make those decisions and you're not really constrained by any processes, regulations, you know, uh, hundreds of thousand people that needs to say yes or no. Uh, you can just do them and it's okay to do them because if you do them, you've, you've grown. If it's outside of your uh, comfort zone, you've grown. Next time you will know how to do it better. Uh, and the next time doesn't have to be in uh, 10 years, 15 years, or if another pandemic, pandemic comes in, next time can be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. but so so I think so I think um, uh, I think that's a bit um, that's a, that's a bit important. I, I think it's really clear. I, I think sometimes we are scared of making the decision. We are literally scared, and that's mm. it's the fear that's stopping us stepping up and making taking an action. But the, what but what you said is you can change it. You can change it. You can do something else tomorrow. You can do something completely different. You can reverse it. We have to be clear about the fear of failure, and that's the thing holding us back. So, mm. I think if we have that, and we're going to talk about trust in a little bit later on, but if you definitely believe, truly believe in what you're doing and why you're doing it, and you have that integrity about you and your business, mm. then it seems that people will allow you to make a mistake. And you've got to allow yourself to make the mistake first. Yes, precisely. So, so I, I completely agree with you. People will not only allow you, but actually, they think I think that they will even um, have a better um, what's the words? Um, they will they will basically uh, appreciate you more if you admit that you did, mm -hmm. because you are more human. Mm -hmm. You are you are just one of us. We all are the same. We all are making mistakes. Yeah. somewhat but you're bigger better because you've admitted it 
and it's been difficult to admit it. Um, so I was listening to, uh, I think the, the, the day before yesterday, I was listening to, I'm not sure if you know a lady called Brenna Brown. Yes, yes. I and so I was listening to her to her new podcast and, and um, I think there was the first episode where she was actually talking about um, FFTs. FFTs, okay? what are those? FFFFT. So the naughty word, freaking, first time, okay? Uh, she actually used the naughty word, so I'm not going to say it here, but um, but the freaking first times. Um, so what she was actually talking about is that it's so important to realize that it is in in life of every single one of us. There is a there is something that is we are going to experience for the first time. Yeah. And that's going to be good. And we don't know how we're going to react, mm -hmm. whether we are going to be angry, whether we are going to be shocked or or however we are reacting, you know, in the current situation that we are yeah. in at the moment. Okay. But it's important to acknowledge that and it's important to give it a name. It's important to realize that this is what is happening and that's why I am reacting the way I am reacting. Because once you give it a name, once you you know, put it in a nice box mm -hmm. and put a little ribbon on it, you will be able to deal with it. So if we call the first time Cookie Monster. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then we say, this is the first time I'm doing it and I'm going to put it in the, in the Cookie Monster box. Okay. So I'm now in a completely different situation. Business is wholly different from what it was three weeks ago. In the Cookie Monster box, the freaking yeah. first time, that's where it all it's all happening. So what's inside that box? Uh, inside that box, in my opinion, is your opportunity to grow. Mm. Okay, you, your opportunity to grow as a person because once you've named that monster and you've put it in the cookie, cookie box for a monster, um, you are able to deal with it. And if you don't leave it, you know, if you don't leave it, if you actually are, if you actually do deal with it, if you actually do admit that this was a mistake, or if you actually do admit, I don't know what is happening. I don't know what's happening to me. Uh, I don't know what is going to happen to my business. Um, if you are vocal about it, and if you're able to say it, People are be more willing to trust you, yeah. and uh, and they will they will actually recognize you. I think in a way they will recognize you as a leader because you've taken this step, important step, to admit that you are in the situation which potentially is outside of your control, mm -hmm. and you may need their help in order to move forward. For example, so inside this this box that we mm. are calling the Cookie Monster box for this instance only, <laughs> we put in our fears our worries, our concerns, our vulnerabilities. And what you're yeah. saying is, now that is a, that, that box is something you can stand on and use that as a platform. And that platform is you and your real self. And if, yeah. you, if you stand on something which is you, your real self, mm. then you are in a stronger position, even though it's full of weaknesses, but because you're willing to be open about those difficulties. So we go back to the baker because he's willing to be open about the fact that he can't find flour, that he's got a really bus a business that he loves and he wants to keep going, but his customers can no longer pay him. He's yeah. having to ration. He's able to build that trust. So yeah, it, I, it seems to work, doesn't it? It seems to work because he's got that reality, that honesty about him. He can stand on yeah. that honesty and, and say, I really don't know what's going to happen, but this is the way I'm going to do it for now until um 
tomorrow when we might have to change. So mm. yeah, but also also I think another thing which is which is quite um, interesting to spot is that. And again, me as a person who's following for following Cut the Mustard on the social media, um, I know that they don't really they they do put in a lot of uh, you know pictures of the food etc. But they don't really do this direct person to person communication. Mm -hmm. They they don't put a video you know the the video camera or phone these, these days to our face and say you know this is me I'm talking the they don't do that. But he's done it. Yeah. It's I think I think to record yourself talk uh, for the first time and and put it out there it's really really outside of, of many people's comfort zone mm -hmm. but he's done it he's done it because he knows that a he's going to grow through that but also b he knows that because people you know through through him doing this people will see his face people he'll see and will see how genuine genuine he is uh, people will understand uh, the situation that he's in etc so people will definitely trust him yeah uh, uh, going forward, so yeah, so so opportunity to grow. So your cookie monsters uh, cookie jar or the the monster cookie jar that that's there with all your fears, with all your limitations, uh, with all your biases, etc. Mm -hmm. It's it's if you do realize yourself what those things are, then you if you if you're able to make if you want to if you if you feel like it's really good for you to make that step forward in order to be outside of your control uh sorry not control outside of your um comfort zone that is going to give you growth and that is definitely going to give you this additional gravitas as a leader and um uh, and um will allow people because you become more human right yeah. you you help people make um you help people trust you more so trust is a really important aspect of all of this, isn't it? I mean, right now we are, some businesses are carrying on. The the post office, for example, is carrying on with business. They're keeping their post uh. office counters keeping going. Um, but uh, Sports Direct were asked to close because he wanted to keep his business going, but he was asked to close. And now he was probably, he wanted to keep it going because he didn't want to lose the profits. Whereas the post office is keeping their organization going because it's a utility. It actually allows us to have some sense of connectivity with the world, but right. they are going to have to take some really careful steps to keep their relationship with their staff. So they're going to have to look after them. They're going to have to control how they behave and how they work. So, you know, we've got two people, two, two leaders, we've got chief executive of Royal Mail and we've got the chief executive of, of Sports Direct, both keeping their businesses open. One's getting praised for it, and Sports Direct is not getting praised for it. So where does the trust, the aspect of trust come into this, into this, into these equations? Mm. That's interesting, but I think, I think, uh, Asim, I think you kind of answered yourself the same question, the question that you've asked, because you've mentioned that Royal Mail um, is considered as a utility, right? Uh, the, the Sports Direct, it's definitely... It, you can go to the store if you wanted to buy something, whatever they sell. But uh, it's not—it's not your—it's not important for this store to be opened, right? And 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 that's the and that's the difference. So um, perhaps if I was a if I was a if I put myself in the shoes of a person who works for a, um, Sports Direct, I actually would be concerned with the way my boss. Um, is approaching the situation mm -hmm. right so in my opinion i wouldn't really trust them quite a lot yeah 
okay but that's just me that's just gosha this is just how i am um whereas how would that work if i was uh, if i was working in a royal mail um so i, I went a few days ago um before the bigger lockdown uh, happened um to pick up a parcel from my sister she sent me a, a gift for my birthday which was lovely um and do you know what the way that they have kind of change their business so quickly to make sure that people obey those um, those rules uh, was, was was really great mm-hmm. you know you walked in uh, the uh, there were chairs okay and you were meant to stand by each chair right so that basically limited the queue so your queue could have been only maybe five people mm-hmm. but they all would be distanced um, then you would come in with this uh, uh, with this piece of paper that says you know I've been here you haven't been at home etc uh, you would show it to them they wouldn't even take it to their hands they would write down what's on it mm-hmm. they would come and collect the parcel and then you would drop it in the bin right they would give you the parcel without you having to sign for it which is which is so the, you know the way you adapt yeah um, and if I was staff working for a business like this they've been given the gloves they've been given the protective um, face mask etc. I would feel yes, I am protected. I trust my my boss that uh, that she or he um, is doing the things that you know we, we need to do. I think. So how do how do we take that into a smaller company with maybe five staff or ten staff, and they're having to make these difficult decisions? How do how do they maintain trust with their with their staff, and how do they maintain trust with their customers? So with their staff, I think um, it's all, in a way, it's all the same because I think, you know, you have to be transparent, you've got to be real, um, you know, tell them what you know, tell them what you don't know, um, follow, uh, you know, there are things that you can control, things you cannot control, but just be transparent about it. People people should know what it is. Um, they shouldn't be kept in the dark, yeah. if you wish. Uh, because then there's a lot of you know gossiping and what's going to happen. Oh, John, do you know what's going to happen to me? Because because this is just what it is, right? People people talk. That's just how we all uh, are. So it's better just to make those um, uh, I don't know uh, daily catch ups mm-hmm. or whatever whatever that uh, small company does. Um, but also I think um, there is one important aspect that uh, I have also realized myself when. Um, when observing uh, some of the methodologies that are used, uh, particularly in the in the big corporates, okay. Mm-hmm. So in the big corporates, um, uh, let's say there is a project, it was a phase of a project or whatever. You deliver it, it was end to end, you know, finito closed. And what do we do then? We do the so-called after action review and lessons learned. Mm-hmm. So you'll say, oh, this didn't really go very well. Oh, and this didn't go very well. And this didn't go very well. So how do we make it better? Oh, well, maybe uh, well, next time we are going to use this instead of that. Okay. Yeah. It's a repertoire of um, repetitive, negative action, in my opinion, because you're sitting there thinking what went wrong um, and you're picking on and picking and repicking on things, you know, of the whole, you know, the, the, the whole increment or chunk of, of the deliverable that you, you, you've done and you'll be picking saying, oh, this doesn't go very well, instead of actually focusing on what went right. So you're saying that a smaller company, we should be talking, we should be talking to our staff, we should be talking to our customers, and maybe maybe we should be saying, hey, how are you doing? What's going well? And what can we do better? 
rather than Precisely. making the assumption that everything is fine or everything is terrible or everybody's working or yeah. everybody's not working. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Precisely. So I think it's it's very powerful because you know. It, and it's, I, I'm not I'm not a neuroscientist uh, here, but uh, it kind of goes back to the way we form a habit, right? Mm. So in order, so the brain, the way the brain is uh, is is created, uh, is that there will be things that to the, the brain wants to create shortcuts mm. because the brain, as a structure, doesn't want to think about every single thing that we're doing on a daily basis. It doesn't want to think that in order for myself, Gosha, to have a cup of, uh, to, to, have, to have a sip of my coffee that stands here on my desk, I need to extend my hand, grab the coffee. You know, I, the, the brain doesn't want to, there's a shortcut. Yeah. I don't need to think about it. It's already there. Okay. And I think it's, there's something really powerful in building those shortcuts, as, shortcuts, sorry, associated with the positive behavior rather than, um, you know, bold, in the bold letters, building shortcuts, which are associated with the negative behavior. Okay. Okay, so so in a situation like that, uh, you know, you know, you have to be able to find the positive of that situation. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. can only control what you can control. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's changed now. Um, my five staff that were sitting in a lovely office uh, by I don't know London Bridge mm -hmm. uh, together now they have to all work from home. Mm -hmm. I cannot see them every day. I don't know what Gosha is doing. I don't know what Asim is doing. I told them what they should be doing, but are they really doing it? I'm really not sure about that. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Asim is saying, no way. I'm definitely not doing that. So, um, but you know, what, what can we, so what can I make the most of the situation? Instead of focusing on um, the things that went wrong. So instead of ingraining that, you know that that perception of oh my god it went wrong mm -hmm. we cannot be sitting in the office anymore i'm losing the control of my people i'm actually focusing on things that went well everybody's safe yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. uh, we all have laptops mm -hmm. we all have utility we're all connected to the internet um we can maybe do a catch-up in the morning yeah the company, which I'm not going to name, um, uh, my friend is working for that company. Um, they've, uh, they've decided that they need to connect the people. You know, there's a hundred and something employees, but they kind of want to feel that, make make sure that they, every single one of them feels still connected, even though that they're working from home now. Uh -huh. um, there was this certain uh, um, personal trainer uh, on on Facebook and and Instagram as well, uh, whom I also adore, by the way. And maybe that's why I can eat that bread. <laughs> um, so uh, so he's um, he's put up on every single morning. He does a PE uh, classes at nine o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning, right? So what that company did is that it said, guys, at nine o'clock in the morning, all of us log into Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. And all of us uh, are going to do PE with this with this particular Excellent. guy, yeah. and just keep that community going mm -hmm. because yes, you 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 know you, they, they are energized, they they feel that you know they're still in it together and they feel still like unity. Mm -hmm. But you can make things work well yeah. if you follow the things that are going well rather than following the things that are going wrong. That, that's a really good example of an organization doing something completely different to bring mm -hmm. people together uh, mm -hmm. because there's that there's that unique 
act that they are working on. They're doing something together as a team, and it's some. And it also shows that the organisation leadership is thinking more more about the welfare of their staff rather than just productivity. Because productivity yeah. is not just about them working; it's also them being happy and doing the best job possible. So that's a re- yeah. that's a really nice example. Who is this this guru that you follow? Uh, you mean the <laughs> you mean the tra- the personal trainer? Personal trainer, yeah. Joe Wicks. Joe Wicks. Okay. Yes, Joe Wicks okay. uh, lives in lives, lives in Richmond. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, well, let's let's yeah. shout out for Joe Wicks here for helping organisational <laughs> staff get a little bit fitter in the morning. I wonder if they're going to do that when they go back to the office. No, but this is the thing, right? Um, so again, I was um, uh, reading something quite interesting uh, the other day about how is the world, you know, how it is with all debates and stuff. How is the world potentially can look or going to look after the COVID nineteen crisis, mm-hmm. especially the especially the business world? Yeah. How is it really going to impact, right? Uh, and and one of the things people should realize from that is, which is what I've mentioned at the very beginning, that that internet is a utility. Okay, it's not a privilege. Yeah. yeah. Uh, second thing that um, they've mentioned is that the the corporate, particularly corporate, is going to have to rethink potentially how does their approach towards the the, the five day uh, sorry five day a week eight hours per day work mm-hmm. going to change? Mm-hmm. Because if you can actually do the same job within four days. Yeah. Okay, working from home or within five days working from home or whatever. Why not change the model to adopt the model to actually to see what actually works? Yeah. Because the model is about making people. Yes, it's a bilateral relationship. Mm -hmm. You give, I give. But the model is about also making people happy. Yeah. So you're asking, how is that company going to sustain that? I don't think they will. Mm -hmm. Once once their staff is told, you know what, you have to go back to the office. Nobody's going to show up at nine o'clock in the morning in their sports gear, yeah. and nobody's going to ask them to do that. Yeah. So, so what do we do after this happens? How do we adapt? That's a, that's I think that's another great one. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, w- are we going to go back to the good old uh, without any, without making any change, or are we really going to stand on that uh, monster cookie jar mm-hmm. and see, you know, where can we grow and what are the other things that we can do as a as, as an organization? Well, I think once we're out of this, we are in a new reality. Mm. Whereas we didn't use video conferencing very much, we didn't use teleworking and remote working that often in all companies because they didn't want to. That somebody in HR was uncomfortable about it. Well, there's, that resistance is now gone, and they, if those organisations have survived and their staff have thrived and grown and still been able to deliver, then those excuses have gone completely. Yeah. I mean, I I know for me, I'll be using video conferencing a lot more because yeah. it's still an intimate connection that we can have. But I mean. I, it's useful when I've worked with people that have never met to build a connection. Mm-hmm. But I would, I think, I would still prefer to have met somebody first, you know, one-on-one, and then used video conferencing to keep that relationship, the conversations going. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's not quite the same, but it's a lot better than I thought it was. And I, yeah, and I think yeah. organizations that have got hundreds of people or five people will probably find, you know, what it's not a bad thing. Now I wonder. In the, in the closing part of this conversation, um, the adaption 
that we have to go through. Where there's huh. some companies will say, you know what, guys, you know what, it, we didn't really want to go teleworking. We didn't want to do remote working, but it's actually really cool. It's worked out. You've been amazing. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a four-day week in the office, and we're going to do one day work from home. Any day you any day you like, work from home. All we're going to do four days in the office, and Friday you're all going to work from home. Or are some how are people going to react, Garcia, when the the company says we're going back to how it was? Are people going to say no? I don't like that. Are they going to be resistant to that change? But this is a really good question, actually, because I feel um, you know every single one of us potentially reacting in any possible way to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So w- what I was going to say is that um, you know all of us are going to react in a different way because actually this situation gives us yourself as a human being, yourself, your your one, your, your person, yourself, this opportunity to look at what is best for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. You may not want to go back to the organization that is. Um, it doesn't want to adopt after what had happened okay yeah. maybe you will realize that this organization is really stale really bureaucratic mm. really old and nothing is going to change fast enough for you to um, to you know, to make it enticing for you to make you to make you want to stay work there um, but at the same time what I wanted to say is that and again I think the small the small companies the ones that are two people five people ten people 20 they are in this amazing privileged situation where they can actually adapt in any possible means necessary mm-hmm. to make things work okay so i'll tell you an example so i will not mention a, a company but but um there is a company if you're if you are an employee of that company after uh, you've reached a certain level let's say you are on the director level you will have received a company mobile phone Okay, so prior to that, you were a normal person. You didn't have a company mobile phone. You only have um, you only had uh, Skype, let's say. Okay, so you were skyping, but uh, skyping meant you were leaving text messages. You would not have uh, used uh, used uh, video conferencing mm-hmm. because come on, nobody wants to see my face that much. But um, but you would you would definitely just use the you know the, the phone capability and and the texting capability. Now you are a director. So you've been working in this company for X years. Okay. Now you finally you achieve this gold, amazing position. You know you have become a director of this company. They have given you a mobile. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I'll ask you the question, Asim. Do you think they use it? Uh, yeah, they will use the mobile phone. They might use it no, for their own not. personal as well, but no, they will not. They won't use it. Why won't they use it? No, they will not use it because it doesn't feel natural anymore. Mm-hmm. Because everybody else is using the Skype. Yeah. Okay. Because it's so much more personal. If you mm-hmm. um, you dial uh, a SIM, mm-hmm. if I dial if I dial you dial your number from my mobile phone, mm-hmm. it's going to be so much more personal because I know that you're going to answer on the other side. Yeah. If you will not answer, I'm going to have to leave you. I don't have to, but I will leave you. You know, voice voice message or something like that. Mm-hmm. So much more personal. And I've been. It, it, it was quite interesting to me uh, I've never asked actually but in hindsight maybe should have but but all those directors in that company and you know and the level above they all had mobile phones on their desks mm. it never ran right so what are you saying what's your what's the point that you're making with this this idea so the that- point that- 
the point that I'm making is that sometimes um, when we are trying to introduce a change or we're trying to introduce a piece of new technology mm -hmm. or whatever it is that we're trying to do, we also have to think whether it fits mm -hmm. to our own situation, okay? Whether it fits in our own circumstances. If you had this amazing, you know, um, uh, agile, fast, uh, small company that is adapting and, 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 you know, doing the video conferencing and they are really, you know, sticking together, they have the great leader. You don't want to introduce something that is going to be destroying that, you know, that, that culture mm -hmm. of, of doing things. You don't want to introduce so something that is going to stop them. So can, because why would you? can I just interrupt you? So I think what we've gone through is this, through this pandemic, we've, organizations have gone through changes that they wouldn't have otherwise had to gone through that their staff mm. may actually appreciate more than they expected and then mm. afterwards they prompt some of them just taking inspiration from what you said some of them won't actually enjoy going back to the way it was before yeah that's right so how do organizations and companies and entrepreneurs take the next stage forward so that they keep their, their great employees together and on board or do do as do we as individuals say, you know what, I feel I, I got so much out of this way of working. I want to be in this way of working. And, and you as a company, I hope that you support me in that. And if you don't, I'm going to go elsewhere and find something to do. How, how should we react? So, so I think it, again, it depends on the circumstances because in in a, I would expect a, a reflective uh, leader um, to to take an action on that again. Mm -hmm. Okay, I would uh, I would expect them to step in and make the most of the situation uh, and have a, have this reflection um, and uh, and and help people to help the visuals design uh, the vision uh, of of how is it going to look like going forward and then share that vision with the rest of the of the team, whether they buy in or whether they don't buy in, um, it's again up to them. Um, but again, on the other hand, if I was not a leader in the company, if I was just working for, for, for the business, uh, I would want to have a platform where I can share my uh, my concern and I would hope that my concern would be taken seriously and um, I would be able to to make change, to make things happen, yeah. to make things happen for me the way I want them to happen for me or or at least in in somewhat um, um, yeah. to improve my situation. Well, that's really interesting. So you're saying the visionaries will use this opportunity to, to adapt and, and adapt their business for their customers and also their staff in the new reality. And if that's not there, then we as individuals have to use this opportunity to adapt and find the new reality for ourselves. That's correct. Okay. It, it's okay to be selfish as an individual. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I personally think that it's very okay to be selfish and always think about what's best for you because you're not going to be happy. Nobody else is going to make you happy yeah. if you can't make yourself happy. But um, you use this word, word there, visionary, and it actually, and this is actually how I perceive uh, some words, uh, a person in a leadership position. I want them to be stretching the boundaries. I want them to be asking the questions which are not very easy to ask. I want I really want them to be thinking outside of the box and I really want them to be taking decisions um, even if they're not very popular mm -hmm. um, because that that just makes the world you know, your your corporate world or your business world or the whole world actually to move forward um, yeah. um, in, in my in my humble opinion well I think that's been a 
fantastic perspective, Garcia. I mean, I think what we've done is we've covered the psychology of change for the larger organizations down to how we as smaller companies can actually use the, the sophisticated thought process that has come from people dying to actually be used in the corporate world to actually guide us and actually lay a foundation for our conversation in a time of pandemic, which is really uh, closing the loop. And, and I've learned some... Unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> so I've yeah, learned yeah, some yeah. really interesting things there and, and the, the key Lovely. lessons for me, and, and I thank you for putting it across so eloquently, is that we should not be afraid of making a decision. And as long as the decision is based upon some our own truths and be clear about those truths, then it's fine to take them and make the mistake. Because if you built that truth and honesty that you're standing on, people will understand and accept. And that can be used to build trust and take and build the relationships with the community and the customers. But then, you know, when these things are over, we have to adapt and we have to learn from these lessons as well. And then the visionaries will use this to propel them forward to the next stage of their growth. Whereas yeah, but what I want to say when when you said when you said we have to learn from those lessons, what I wanted to really stress here is that I personally, Gosha, I am of an opinion that we should not be learning from failures, but we should be learning from what went well. Okay. Okay. So 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 for me, this is very important. Mm-hmm. If I see that I'm you know I'm operating in my new business in these new circumstances, and there's always you know there's always this wobbly stage where I don't know where things are at, etc. But once this is stabilized. If I can see that this is operating very well for me mm-hmm. and I'm moving forward at the pace that I really wanted to move forward, mm-hmm. if nothing has changed there, keep it. Keep it. If people want that, why not? And, and there it is. If you like it, keep it. So, Gosia, <laughs> this has been a really fascinating conversation. How do people get hold well, of you, you if they want to follow up with you and, have they've got, and they've got questions to ask? How do they find you? Yeah, no problem. So uh, my uh, my website is called uh, www.accelerationge.co.uk. Um, you can use a contact form there. Um, you can also share a conversation with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm under Gosa Valendik. Uh, you can definitely find me there quite easy, I think, especially if you know that my surname spells with W. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll put a link in to, yes, it, that would work. to the bio to this conversation, definitely. I, w- I would love that. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram, trying to be uh, young and hip. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're definitely young and you're definitely hip in my view thank you very much oh, thank you so and much and if you enjoy this look forward to you listening back um, to our next conversation who that is and when that's going to be I don't know but I'm working on some really interesting conversation with people you've raised the bar for me Garcia so you've made it very difficult God. so thank you very much <laughs> and I wish everybody out there good health and I hope you're eating well and you're getting plenty of exercise thank you very much <laughs>